Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. guys. On today's episode, I have Brittany Shank and Emily Jones with me. Both are therapists with Abound Counseling in Fargo, North Dakota. I thought it would be good to have them on to talk about social media, society as a whole, and how the view of society really impacts us on a daily basis, not only for ourselves, but for our clients as well. So I really hope that you enjoy our conversation. All right, ladies, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, so this is yeah. this is the first time that I have two guests, which is really exciting. <laughs> so I am thinking, you know, Emily and Brittany, if you can both introduce yourself so people can really get a feel for who you are um, and start learning your voice. So as I'm sure we'll jump back and forth some, it'll be easier to follow. Sure. Brittany, you want to go first? Sure, I absolutely can. So my name is Brittany Shank. I am a mommy. I am a wife. And I am a therapist. I have two little kiddos, one that is four years old, and she is the most independent, spunky little girl <laughs> that I'm pretty sure anybody could ever meet. She um, will definitely suffice on her own for the rest of her life. We always joke that we um, try to make sure that she goes down one road, either superhero superhero or supervillain, and we are trying really hard to not go down the supervillain road. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she has a little brother who is one and a half. And he, of course, naturally is the most chill, the most calm. Um, he is 17 months old and still is not fully walking because his older sister will carry him and dote on him in any way that he needs it. Aww. So um, we have two amazing kids that are on totally opposite ends of the spectrum, which um, has really helped me hone in on parenting skills of all different types of kids mm-hmm. and um, has also put me at a little bit of ease that um, who our kids are aren't 100% our fault. At some point, they're born with a little bit of it. <laughs> yes, I do love that. <laughs> I love that perspective. Yeah, I love you. So, that's kind of my home life um, as a therapist. I work for a bound counseling in Fargo. And um, I've been in my position for about two and a half years. And it was amazing and such a breath of fresh air to find my passion and find what I was truly meant to do. And so I feel super, super grateful to be able to live that every single day, helping a variety of people and being able to just kind of sit with people through their toughest stuff. So I feel really honored to be a part of a lot of people's journey and um, to be able to walk with them. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing about yourself and sharing about your passion. So Emily, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. And Brittany, I hope you don't mind that I do this, but girl, you left out a really important piece. She has been a longtime member of the Air National Guard here in Fargo. Oh, yes. And I think that's big, so I'm just going to plug that for you. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That needs to be added for sure. Sorry if you didn't want that shared, babe. (laughs) (laughs) You are totally fine. Thank you for bringing that up. You know, it's so easy to, like, glimpse over the parts of who we really are. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to just have this thought of, like, well, I am my occupation, and I, I am a mommy and I am a wife, but it's so easy to kind of glimpse over some of the other stuff that makes me me. So thank you for bringing that up. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah. So my name is Emily Jones. I am also a therapist with the Bound Counseling in Fargo. I am a North Dakota transplant. I've um, been a little bit around the United States. I was born and raised in Kentucky and lived there until I was 20 and lived for a significant amount of time in Washington State and Kansas before my husband retired from active duty in the Army, mm-hmm. and we moved back to North Dakota. Um, so I am a, a retired Army wife. That's just one facet of who I am, and it's definitely provided perspective and a certain lens on how I uh, communicate and interact with the world. I, as well, am a mom. I have a 13-year-old son and a 9-year-old son, and no, I can't believe I have children that old. <laughs> Um, in my mind, I'm 20. Right. So, Same. Um, I don't you feel older. Girl. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, who else? I, I am amazingly, um, eclectic and, and a little eccentric, I would say. 
um, I really try to bring creativity into what I do and really try to infuse that in, into most aspects of my life. And I am a huge Disney fan, a huge Broadway musical lover. And if you've ever seen me driving down the road, it probably looks like I'm having a seizure because I'm singing along <laughs> whatever soundtrack is current at the moment. Yes, I love that. So that's me. Yes. That is who I am. No, thank you both for introducing yourself. And I do have to say to both of you guys and your families, thank you so much for your service, truly, because that is not an easy lifestyle by any means. That's some tough stuff. So, Um, but I'd love to, you you know, that reframing of how it can really shift your perspective and just shift that like lens of how you see Mm -hmm. the world. And that's so beneficial as well. So can, can yep. you guys both take the opportunity before we really jump into this to talk a little bit about the client population that you typically work with so people have an understanding of that? Sure. Okay. So I really like to work with a broad um, age range of clients. Um, I mentioned I'm a little eclectic and that definitely uh, feeds into um, my client population. Mm-hmm. I love working with littles. I am what you would call DC zero to five trained, which trained, which means that I am able to diagnose children um, as young as zero. Um, And yes, there's mental health components to that, which I think is a conversation for another day. Yes, um, (laughs) I love that. I do. I do. I do love my littles. Um, I have two three-year-olds that I actually see, um, one on my own and then one in conjunction with another therapist. Um, Could not do that solely. Um, so I, I would say that my favorite population, the ones that really just tug at my heart are those 12 and 13 year olds, Mm -hmm. boys or girls. Um, I think that middle school is such a hard, hard piece of life. And, um, I love to be able to sit with kids in that and help them develop who they are and, and figure out their sense of self. I think it's super important. Um, and I think that a lot of therapists shy away from that for really good reasons because <laughs> it's a little scary. Yeah. Um, but, but I love them and I, and I have a ha- advocate's heart. So, um, I just, I really feel strongly about helping those kids, but I also really like my adults and I need my adults because there's no way that I could see just kids solely. So the adults kind of give that, um, breath of fresh air for me of it's a little bit easier, not quite as time consuming and, um, in emotion consuming, I would say as well. Um, but I, I see kids as, like I said, young as three and then up to mid sixties and towards 72. So, yeah. um, I typically though work with kids with pretty significant trauma. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. And I know we've talked about this before, but I'm very much the same way. I have to have variety. (laughs) That's just how I am. So I, you know, my youngest client right now is eight and the oldest that I've worked with recently was like 83. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, a wide range. And I think that in a lot of ways that keeps us on our toes too, you know, Mm -hmm. to have to shift and function quickly. And so I love that um, you have that same perspective. That's really helpful. Yeah. So, Brittany, do you want to tell us a little bit about your client population? Yes, of course. Um, I do just have to add, though, that Emily is literally an artist, and she is phenomenal with kids who love to express themselves through art and adults as well. And so I think that is something huge that Emily has that I 100% do not have. But I think it gives um, kids and adults a way of expressing themselves in ways that not all of us therapists can give them. So, just need to pin that on there. Yeah, well, thank I, you. I did not know that. I am so glad that you mentioned that. I um, quite honestly do not have that either. So seriously, props. You should see what I made earlier with a client. I'm just embarrassed to even show it, to be honest. <laughs> um, but, but I love that you have that talent. So that's great. Well, thanks. Absolutely. Okay, so just a little bit about kind of the clientele that I serve. I am very, very, very similar to you guys, um, but with my own little bit of a spin on it. So I... Um, love to see kids that are, that have had a traumatic experience. So, um, whether those be kiddos that are in foster care or kids that are still living with their biological parents, um, or whatever sort of parents they might be living with that have just kind of had a little bit of a tougher life. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love working with those kids. Um, I very specifically like working with kids who, um, are in the foster care system and have had extreme trauma. So, the stories of that kids have where it just kind of like makes your stomach turn a little bit are quite honestly my favorite kids to work with mm-hmm. because it's so inspiring to see the change mm-hmm. in those mm-hmm. kids and 
I think all the time that if you have a kid that can overcome something that makes our adult stomach turn, mm-hmm. like what can't people overcome then? Oh, I love that. Preach. I love that. And so those are truly some of my favorite stories are the stories that are so, so, so difficult to tell because they're just quite honestly that horrendous. But then to know, like, we can get through this and and you can get through this and your life isn't your past and doesn't have to be what you lived. So those are quite honestly my favorite cases. But I do like a little bit of a sprinkle of everything because I'm pretty sure if I did that work eight hours a day every day, I might get burned out quickly. (laughs) I do like to sprinkle in a little bit of everything. So the youngest client that I've seen was six months old. And normally I get uh, like, (sighs) when I say that, but those years or those months are just so, so important to kids. Kids, mm-hmm. And I think that's underestimated and mm-hmm. underspoken about that even at six months old, there are extreme needs that kids have, which are actually fairly simple to give them if we understand what that is. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I have seen a six month old before and yes, there was work to do. And yes, it was beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, and then I've also seen adult, um, the oldest adult I think I have was in her late sixties. And then a variety in between there. Mm-hmm. And so I like to have perspective from all different avenues. And I like to hear stories from all different avenues and watch people heal yes. through all the different um, frames as well. Um, but I have two other areas that I'm specifically interested in. And one of them is mommies who are in the thick of mommyhood. Yep. <laughs> and I yep. think all of us mommies totally get what mm-hmm. that means. Yes. Yep. The, tough. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I have puke all over my clothes and I'm walking into work and I dealt with five tantrums just getting in the car this morning. Like that thick mommyhood of I'm losing who I am and somehow I need to grasp onto who I am while I'm raising these babies that are so miraculous and wonderful to me. So, um, and sometimes we might not be able to look at them as miraculous and wonderful and that too is okay. And so really walking with people in the thick of mommyhood is one of Mm -hmm. my passions. Um, mostly because I too just struggle with it and have struggled with it. And I think there's something in being able to connect with other people who just truly get it. Yes, yep. I absolutely agree with that. And I love the way that you worded that. Like that is the best. <laughs> I, I, you honestly could not have written a better summary for, you know, where your heart is at with that. And, you know, that's a passion mm-hmm. of mine as well. And that is just such there's such truth in what you said, you know, for so many reasons, there is something to be said for coming alongside somebody and saying, this kind of sucks. Let's just call it like it is, you know, not every moment is beautiful and that's okay. (laughs) You know, so I love Mm -hmm. that you're doing that work. That's great. It is tough. And and I think we need permission to know that, to know that sometimes I think like, what in the world did I freaking get myself into here? Right. And then 20 minutes later to think, oh my gosh, how could I have felt that way? Right? Because right. it's normal. It's normal. Yes. And so just having somebody that understands that is just, I think, so beautiful and so necessary. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Um, the other piece of work that I just find a lot of passion in, uh, like Emily had mentioned earlier, I am a veteran of the military and I have been enlisted for 13 years. And one of the uh, opportunities, truly, that I got through them is to work with victims of sexual assault and survivors of sexual assault. And so that is just a piece of my heart that uh, that I have a passion in and people who have been through that and, and their heroism, quite honestly, of getting through mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. is just a, an extreme passion of mine. And so military, military veterans, um, and those that have endured sexual assault, either within the military or outside of the military, um, really have a true piece of my soul. Yes. And so that's kind of the clientele population that I see and um, who I spend my days with. I do get like, and Emily has heard this so many times, I do see really little kids. I um, am also certified in the DC zero to five, but quite honestly, I'm super, 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 um, I don't want to say picky because I don't think that's true, but um aware probably mm-hmm. of how many of those little littles mm-hmm. I see because they take honestly the most energy out of me. Sure. Um yeah. and not in a, not in necessarily a bad way by any means, but just um it takes more of my mind really to work with those kids and thinking a little bit differently with right. the really little littles. And so I There's think so I, much more systemic there too. Because yeah. it's not just like taking the kid. I mean it's truly a whole system perspective that you use with those littles. Yeah. And I am so much a believer in therapy that allows 
for attachment and connection and involvement of whatever caregivers involved. And so with especially those little littles, I feel like the therapy is not just for the little kiddo. It's for the entire system around them. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I hope it's a service to everybody, to myself, to the kiddos, to the families, and to our system as a whole that I just choose to not take too many of those on. Um, so I really can give my full attention to the ones that I do have and can give my best work to the ones that I do have. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. It's great to be able to acknowledge that and just to have that insight to know what our balance really is. I mean, if there's even a thing called balance really, but you know, what, yeah. what, what we feel comfortable doing so that we can show up as the best versions of ourselves in whatever situation we're in. So I absolutely love that you're very honest about that. You know, and one of the things that I am just really interested in um, is how really even like the reporting in America, so news topics, social media, you know, all of those um, little avenues that we didn't necessarily always have before, how that's really affecting our mental health and affecting our clients. And so I'm wondering, are you guys noticing that with clients? Do you notice that there's almost like a fear-based foundation to reporting, which is greatly affecting our clients on a daily basis? I definitely find it with my teenagers mm-hmm. because, I mean, and maybe it's not so much with like the reporting um, as it is with the social media. And I know that's not the question that you were necessarily no, no, no. asking, um, but there is a lot of that fear. And, and I, you know, even as they're just scrolling through social media, a lot of the associated press media mm-hmm. is embedded within that. Mm-hmm. So, Things like on Instagram, a lot of my teenagers tell me that I'm an old person because I use Facebook, but <laughs> some, of them, some of them still use Facebook. Uh, a lot of the older ones do. Mm-hmm. And I definitely see it with some of my adult clients that I see is that, you know, like, can you believe this is happening? And I think that that's like the pervasive feeling amongst everyone and, and not just my clients that I see, but in my personal life as well is, is that constant question of, can you believe this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do think that it has an impact. It definitely has an impact on me and as a human being. Right. Right. And I love that you brought that up because that is one thing as well. You know, we are all, I mean, everyone is so just so exposed. And so when we think about it in two parts, we think about how it affects clients that we're working with. It also affects us individually and that it affects our work with them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so it's quite, uh, um, it's, it's kind of hard to navigate that at times. And so I'm wondering if you guys have some recommendations, you know, what do you share even with family members, friends, you know, how, how do you recommend to navigate social media or news, um, you know, news outlets, you know, a lot of people Mm -hmm. wake up in the morning and what do they do? They turn on the news and then you hear like 50 bad things that have happened, you know? So Mm -hmm. how do you guys recommend people navigate that? Well, first, can I just say just a tiny bit of clarity, Kelly? Are we talking about reporting of anything specific? Or are we just kind of talking about social media in general as a whole of what we're seeing on there? You know, I would say in general, and maybe you guys can give some feedback on this as well. Most of the time, what I notice um, just, you know, in daily life, but also with clients is that there seems to be just a few topics that are most triggering for people. And I may obviously Mm -hmm. political, but we're not going to go there on here. But the other portion of things is whenever there is something that comes out in the news about a sexual assault or anything that is related to addiction. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. two particular topics, if we want to you know, talk really specifically, seem to be the most impactful to people, you know, it, on a daily basis. And so I'm mm-hmm. wondering, you know, client wise, yourself wise, family wise, you know, how, how do you even navigate that? Yeah. So Emily, if you don't mind me taking over here for a second. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Um, I think that social media, I know social media is super tricky, Mm -hmm. regardless of what realm we're looking at. So if we're talking about some of the hot topics like social media or, um, sorry, like reporting of sexual assault Mm -hmm. um, or political political campaigns or anything like that, I think what is, is tough is many times when those things are brought up, it almost causes a fight. It doesn't almost, it does. It causes a fight. Mm -hmm. It, it, you have somebody from each end that are fighting their side of it. And then the people who are in the middle are not voicing their opinions, kind of being like the monkey in the middle. Does mm-hmm. everybody know what the monkey in the middle is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they're kind of being this person, like being bantered from side to side. 
And I, I truly feel like what we're missing, though, is, like, at what point do we come together? And at what point do we respect each other and start building each other up instead of fighting mm-hmm. for our side? Right. And, you know, Emily and I truly have discussed this this concept quite often in many different realms. Mm-hmm. But this concept of if we're feeling anger or jealousy, really the healing piece of that is somehow coming together in it instead yes. of fighting the yep. opposite mm-hmm. end of it. So, you know, we all know about like the high school girls where one girl's jealous of the other. And so she starts making fun of and mm-hmm. getting all of her friends to make fun of the girl she's jealous of. But if anybody actually sat down with the girl who's kind of the head of the bullying and talked to her about what her true feelings are and it came out like, you know, actually maybe I am a little bit jealous Mm -hmm. and what could I do to help that and fix it? And what could I do to change the things about me that I'm so self-conscious of? It would help us so much, but we're so secluded in our side so often and so against coming together. So. Um, as a Republican or Democrat, to, like, link hands with somebody of the opposite of you seems just so foreign Mm -hmm. to our society right now. When, like, gosh, that's what we need for healing, is we don't have to fundamentally agree on the the differences we have. But, gosh, there's some fundamentals we can agree on. Like, we are all humans, and we're all people, and we all have feelings. And let's start building each other Mm -hmm. up instead of constantly pulling each other down. Right. I love that. You know, Brene Brown, um, you guys have probably heard, uh, I mean, I know you've heard of her work, but you guys have <laughs> yeah. probably heard of her concept as far as like the, you know, you're either with us or against us. And she just, you know, she calls it like it is. She says that's complete bullshit because it's yeah. not, you don't have to agree with somebody at all points. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are completely against everything that other person believes, but you may have some variation and differences, but it doesn't mean you're an enemy. And that's where I think right. it really gets misconstrued is that a lot of times people feel like, well, if you don't agree with me, then you're absolutely the enemy and I have to wait right. for <laughs> essentially. So. Yeah. Yeah. And to piggyback off of what Brittany was saying, it's, you know, there's this, there's idea of winning and losing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It We're so in this, I don't know, this shifted mindset of not collaboration that there's got to be a winner and there's got to be a loser. When in reality, when we had that mindset, everybody's losing. Yes. Everybody's losing. And so I kind of want to go back to something that you had mentioned and the way you had described it is this, you know, this fear reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I definitely, like I said, I feel it myself. And, and oftentimes what I'm, I'm doing for myself in that situation is what's the real point here? Mm-hmm. Because I think that we are also in a society and where we, where we take authority as all knowing. So mm-hmm. whether that be the media politicians, law enforcement, mm-hmm. um, like if, if they're in those roles, then they automatically must know exactly what they're talking about and they must be valid sources. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily true. Right. Um, but so what's, what's behind it? It's kind of like, <laughs> I don't know if either of you, um, so Charlie Joyce, uh, who actually is the person who created Abound mm-hmm. um, with Lutheran Social Services. He and I have this conversation constantly of the Adlerian concept of therapy. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is what's underneath that? Mm-hmm. Okay, but what's really under that? So when we talk to people who are angry, right? right. Okay, but why? Right. Is it because you're really hurt? Is it because you're really sad? So that's what I try to examine when I see news articles come out, Um, and try to really figure out what's the purpose of this. Are you truly telling me this to warn me of this, or are you trying to be distracting? Right. Because I think the media does a really good job of distracting people from the actual news. Yes. Which is actually going on. I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. Not going (laughs) to lie. No, that's all right. Um, Because I really want to know what's the actual point here. Right. And I do think that there are some times when we do need to be informed and we do need to be told, hey, you know what, this is a real this is a real threat. Mm-hmm. And I actually want I, you know, I want to honor that and validate that for sure. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I tell people all the time is let's take it with a grain of salt. Yes. Right. There's probably themes of truth to this. Mm-hmm. And if so, what do you need to do with the information? Right. Right. Yeah. What, what's the important concept for you. Mm -hmm. What does this mean for you? And when we're talking about things like sexual assault and drug addiction, Mm -hmm. those things are so personal. Yes. 
And it's really hard to separate your own personal experience from what someone else might go through. Mm-hmm. Um, recently on the no- news here in the Fargo area, there was a conversation about sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And one of the comments that was made was that, you know, as a survivor, this person knew what it was like to be a survivor. And therefore, what this other person was going through could not be true because mm-hmm. that's not what hap- what that person did. Those actions were not what that person did. And that's just not true. Right. We we know that everyone reacts to traumatic experiences very differently. Mm-hmm. And that depends on a lot of factors. So the other thing I really urge people to do is let's practice some empathy, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Like, this is not your experience. This is someone else's experience. Mm-hmm. And if you had the same background as them, you might have acted the exact same way. Yes. We don't get to judge someone just because we're sitting behind a computer screen or a telephone screen. Mm-hmm. And we are supposedly detached from the situation. We, we don't get to not be accountable for the things that we do and say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I think that's a big portion of it, though, don't you think? that? A lot of times it feels like because it's separated, you know, whether you're typing on Facebook or you're commenting on whatever, it's separated. And so people don't think that they are held responsible a lot of times for their statements that they're making. Um, But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. those statements have huge impacts because, as we all know, our words matter. (laughs) They just do. And so regardless of... There have been times, I'll be honest, when I read articles and I read some of the comments and I would love, I would love to be like, that is just like a really ridiculous point of view. But I don't, you know, I don't do that because is it going to be beneficial to me? No. Is it going to be beneficial to them? No. And is it going to solve anything? Nope. And so that's what I really encourage people to think about. Is it beneficial to you? Is it beneficial to them? Does it solve anything? If it doesn't, then Mm-hmm. Why, like, why even engage in that in that moment if it's just going to cause mm-hmm. more frustration and turmoil in your own life? You know, I also, I also think as social workers, do you think we have a unique view, like a, a unique ability to see all sides of the situation? <laughs> to a detriment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because we hear it, you know, we are so lucky and so honored to hear people's stories. Yes. But we get to hear the stories from all different sides. So, you know, I talked about um, working with kids in foster care. So oftentimes when you work with kids in foster care, like I said, you're working with their full support system, Mm -hmm. um, which oftentimes will include parents, will include grandparents, will include foster parents. And so you have a kiddo that comes in and tells their story. um, And maybe the, the person that caused, um, their neglect or their abuse was a mom or a dad. Uh And oftentimes then you also hear the mom or dad side of it. Mm -hmm. And it really puts in their perspective how Mm -hmm. different things can be viewed and how things um, that you maybe didn't envision happening could happen. I mean, it really kind of humbles your soul a little bit Mm -hmm. to to not judging so hard and to, you know, accept accept that there could be opposite sides of a story um, or to accept that somebody might have viewed a story very different than what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the way that you, you know, I oftentimes um, talk about like the elephant in the room and if there were this huge elephant in a room and we we're all sitting in wherever your chairs are in the room and we we're all staring at the same elephant and I said, hey, um, everybody describes this elephant to me. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm sitting like by its rump end, I'll describe the piece that I see and if somebody's sitting by its front arm they'll describe what they see and if somebody's sitting by the trunk they describe what they see and all of our descriptions are 100 percent different like i'm describing a butt they're describing a leg they're describing a mouth and yeah. a trunk. but oh. it's all the same elephant and it's all right right oh and i love that they a different view yes. right yeah oh i love that i'm gonna remember that one i'm not gonna lie. i'll give you credit but i'm gonna remember that one <laughs> i love that you know i've uh um... you know, oh go ahead Sorry, the other thing I just can't help but think of when we're talking about kind of the winning and the losing Mm -hmm. with political sides is I think when we fight to make other people look bad, we're really losing a lot of people in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I don't I don't care if we're voting for sheriff or if we're voting for mayor or county commissioners or president or any of those elected officials, judges. 
whoever that is, I think we've almost gotten to a point where we know more dirt on them than mm-hmm. we know about the goodness they're going to do for us. Yes. Great. Absolutely. And what kind of a society is that to live in where the person we're electing is based upon who has the least amount or in our judgment, the less weighty dirt. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And what type of people have the courage, which there's lots of them, but I mean, really, we're minimizing our pool. If we're saying, hey, Brittany, if you ever want to be elected as a judge in um, your city, you're going to need to go under this scrutiny, where instead of us knowing about the goodness you can do, I want to know about all the bad things that might come up for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that really refines the type of people that are going to come forward to those positions. And additionally, I think we lose a lot of voters in that case mm-hmm. because, yep. you know, I think it's hard to feel good about voting on the on the least worst, if you will. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Like that's all we're given. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have honestly said that sometimes. Like, sometimes I do feel like I'm just <laughs> voting for the least the terrible person, <laughs> you yeah. know? And yeah. I I agree. I think that would be fantastic to have more of a focus. But even now with the election, you know, everything going on, we're getting all of these, you know, ads in like one second is towards one person, one second is towards the other. And they're just so attacking and so negative. And Mm-hmm. At this point, the majority of people that I even just run into throughout life are like, I cannot wait for this to be done because I'm just mm-hmm. completely over all of that negativity during commercial time, you know. My 13-year-old threatened to burn a flyer that showed up in our mailbox because he's so done with it. Oh, and yeah. this child doesn't even watch TV. Uh-huh. Okay. Everything he's seeing is ads on YouTube. And I'm like, that is pretty significant because, mm-hmm. I mean, even – they're just being bombarded with all of this negativity, like you said, and he doesn't—he he doesn't care about who did what. Yes, like Brittany's talking about. You know, here's my 13-year-old, and this is this is what we're teaching him—that is politics. Yes, and we hold our children to a higher standard for being kind and not bullying than we do elected officials. Mm-hmm. Well, it you makes- know, then we. In a lot of communities, like voting is down and they're having a tough time, especially with the younger crowd to come forward and vote. And um, I I have to put some weight on the fact that at some point we are teaching our young people that this is what voting is about, is about being mm-hmm. bashed and about bringing your worst out. When all of us as human beings have good and bad that we've done, it doesn't make us good or bad people yep. that we've had these actions. But there's a fear base then involved in voting or, you know, wanting to be elected into something. And so it's really truly no wonder why especially our younger crowd is not getting into the voting polls like we're we're seeing the older crowd. I can't imagine that it doesn't have anything to do with being turned off from all the ridicule and criticism that's involved in it. Right. I think you are very, very accurate in that. I'm sure that that has a big effect. And I even think that when kids are young, we can set them, you know, on a really firm foundation. Now, politically as a whole, I won't say that we can have an individual impact because I absolutely believe that we can. That's why we have the right to vote. But I do think that um, it can be hard to feel like we as an individual have much, have very much ability to make those changes, but even just in our own child's life, you know, like for instance, I'm thinking of my son and if he makes a bad decision, you know, of course his mom's a therapist and you, I don't know if you guys find you do this too, but instead of saying like, Oh, you're bad. I will be like, well, that was a really bad choice because he's mm-hmm. not bad. He's a great kid, but he's a kid yeah. <laughs> and he's not right. even three and he's going to make some crappy choices. If I, as an adult yeah. make crappy choices sometimes, just like you said earlier, Emily, like, I can't hold him to a higher level than I'm willing to hold myself. And I can't mm-hmm. tell him that he's bad because he makes a mistake if I'm not willing mm-hmm. to look at myself and say, that was a really crappy mistake. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt. I hope that you are enjoying this episode, but I did want to come in to tell you something real quick. So for 
these next two weeks, it's going to be Christmas and New Year's um, if you celebrate both of those. And so we are actually going to be taking a break from the podcast for those two weeks so that the families of the podcast are able to completely celebrate those. And I hope that you're able to celebrate with your family or friends as well. Um, but I'm hopeful that this episode will be beneficial for you as you head into you know these next few weeks. Um, but please join us because the first week in January, we're going to come back and we're going to have some really fantastic guests and some recommendations and different suggestions um, that would be really beneficial as you start the new year. So this is not going to be your typical what, you know, what new year's resolution can you come up with? Um, Because I'm not a big fan of that, but I do want to talk about some really tangible ways that you can get your new year started off right. Um, And so we will discuss that. If you have any questions or any thoughts in the meantime, you know, you can always go to www.kellysisson.com. You can hit the contact tab, send me a message, and I will definitely respond back to that. Thanks so much. And I hope you have a great holiday. You know, it makes me think of um, that conversation we had for Emily, where we talked about how we want other people to believe that we have changed from who we were, you know, in in our past life, but we don't want to believe that they're any different. Yeah, I so agree. I was naughty in high school. I made really (laughs) bad choices. I made the person who I was look terrible. And quite honestly, even to this day, when I run into somebody and they're like, hey, do I know you from high school? It takes just about everything I have not to run and hide. Because Mm -hmm. I so much want them to know that just because I made poor choices at that time in my life does not mean that I still am those choices or that that's my mm-hmm. core and my being. Yes. And I think you are so on point, Kelly, with teaching our kids that and we implement something very similar at home. And thankfully, I had some mentor somewhere that taught me mm-hmm. this concept of like, we are not what our actions used to be. Mm-hmm. And so in our house, too, when my daughter makes a poor decision, what I view as a poor decision, mm-hmm. we have those same talks of I do not mm-hmm. like a choice that you made. But I still love you as a person. And we literally have those thoughts. Mommy's mad right now. But does mommy still love you? Yes, mommy still loves you. I just don't like the choice you made. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. You know, I even think that, like, just last night, my, you know, it was Halloween. Let's be real. If if anyone is a parent or has been a child themselves, so everyone, um, you will just know that Halloween is hard. You know, you get treating. There's just so much going on. I mean, it's exhausting, right? I mean, it just is. It is. And can I just say, if you don't mind me interjecting here, I had two this morning and in session that you could tell last night was hard. Oh, yes. They they were wonderful and they worked really super hard, but you could tell these poor babies were exhausted. Oh, I know. Maybe maybe had a little too much candy. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, that is really, you know, my son, he is, like I say, he's almost three. And so that just takes a lot out of, you know, almost three year old anyway, just to be out and doing all of that Mm -hmm. type of stuff. And so last night he was just so tired and he was so mad at me. And he was saying, he was, he likes to say, go away. And we tell him that's not, you know, nice, of course, but he says, go away, mommy. And I just said to him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Go away, mommy. I'm like, it doesn't matter, you know, how many times you tell me to go away. I'm not going to. Now keep in mind, he was in my room. So he was also in my space, but <laughs> he had the opportunity to leave. And I let him know that if he wanted to. But I think sometimes kids even need to know that. You know, mm-hmm. no matter what, right, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter what, you know, actions you have, I'm going to be here regardless. Mm-hmm. Yep. You might have some consequences for those. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> consequences I'm being on. So, yeah. But I'm going to love you through it. Yes, absolutely. And how different is that? You know, what a big impact that can make. Mm-hmm. You know, I also have to know in case anyone's listening to this and thinking like, oh, but of course you guys are therapists. Okay, none of us are perfect. I can't speak for you guys, but I am not perfect. I am human. I make mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's important to note that. But I do think that if we can implement those, you know, small changes in our children's life, that has an impact, that can have an impact on society as a whole. It's huge. Yes. And I think that's what makes us good at what we do. Who wants to go to the therapist that has, like, lived this super easy, perfect life? Nothing. Yeah, no kidding. I want to know that you've been through the trenches, too, and that you know what it feels like and that life isn't just easy and life is difficult and rewarding and beautiful all at the same time, and that's okay. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 
Yes, I love that. That's a great perspective. I do. I want somebody just to, like I said earlier, sometimes just to call it like it is. Like, it sucks sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And when somebody can just really sit alongside with you and, you know, hold that space for you and your story, that makes such an impact. And I agree. I absolutely agree with that. So thinking about social work as a whole, are there things that you wish people knew about social work that they don't know? I don't want to steal your babies. (laughs) Do you need a billboard that says that or a bumper sticker? I'm not here to steal your children. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's big truth. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that is that is definitely one thing. What about you, Brittany? Is there anything that comes to mind? Um. Yeah, that's like loaded. We could do a whole podcast on that, quite honestly, because there are some things that I feel like need to get out to the whole entire world about social work, but I feel like not necessarily appropriate for um today at this time. But yeah. I guess social work, if I were to kind of describe it, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about just what it is, period, mm-hmm. and what people can do in social work. And so the first time social work was mentioned to me, I was going to college to get my degree in criminal justice. It was mm-hmm. actually my last semester. And somebody mentioned social work to me. And um, the first thing I thought was, one, what's that? And number two, I'm pretty sure that person doesn't get paid very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, both, of, both of which I learned differently about, which I could totally go on a soapbox of, but we're going to pass that. <laughs> and um, I'm going to say that social work is such a beautiful field because mm-hmm. there really truly is so much you can do inside of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm 90% sure that I'm a therapist that has not quite yet been diagnosed with ADHD, but is ADHD. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I would like to say the beauty inside of social work is you don't have to commit to one thing forever. Yes. And so there are social workers who work for the county and um, work with kids who are in the child welfare system. There are social workers at our homeless shelters. There are social workers at nursing homes. There are social workers who do therapists who are therapists mm-hmm. and there's a whole realm of specializations you can go into with that i mean we have social workers in so many different avenues mm-hmm. of life if you like working with kids or elderly or i'm sure there are social work positions where you can work with animals in some sort of way training mm-hmm. them to be um yes. therapy dogs or you know i'm sure there is for somebody who has a love for helping people mm-hmm. and helping change the world this is such a beautiful profession for you and I would urge you to get with somebody who has their degree um, and who loves it to help you explore what that could look like if that feels like a calling to you. Mm-hmm. Um, because my initial reaction were the two things I said and the third is someone was like, well, case management. And I was like, what's that mean? Mm-hmm. And so case management does not necessarily mean your job. There are case man- management jobs, which are also very fitting for some people. So mm-hmm. with social work, I guess, I would like people to know that there is a wealth of different things you can do inside of this profession Mm -hmm. if you really believe about ethics and helping people and changing the world. Yes. I I totally agree. And to to add to that, I would say I would really love for people to sit down and have a conversation with a social worker. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that often in the media, we are very much portrayed in a negative light. Mm which is really discouraging, I think. And I'll be honest with you to this day, my mother hates the fact that I'm a social worker because she just thinks that I'm going to take everybody's babies away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a battle that I've fought for years. Um, and, but I'll be honest with you, much like Brittany, before I decided to go back to school as an adult and, and become a social worker, I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. I did not understand the full realm of what this meant Mm -hmm. and to now be on the other side of it and to understand that there is a very real reason that we are a licensed Mm -hmm. body of professionals Mm -hmm. is hugely important to understand. Mm -hmm. There are reasons that we have to do the school that we do. Mm -hmm. There are reasons that we have to take the exams that we take and there are reasons that we have to do internships and become licensed in order to call ourselves social workers. Mm -hmm. We are supposed to be held to a higher standard for ethics, advocacy, and having an unconditional positive regard for humanity. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to be able to sit down with the public as a whole and say, let me tell you about what I do and why I do it. Um, I think systems really play 
I think that toxic systems really play a role in how we are portrayed as a profession. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, I vote that we do another podcast episode about that at some point, because it sounds like something yeah. that you both are really, you know, passionate about. And I do think that for anything, you know, um, this is by the time this comes out, uh, the listeners are going to hear me say this several times, but I talked with my husband and we were talking about how there's like just these really neat little niches of just wisdom throughout our society of jobs, you know, like for instance, the thing that always comes to my mind, we were talking about was like, you know, making a pencil. There's like so many things that go into that. You don't even think about that or making a computer or being a teacher, being a principal. I mean, like there's so many just little pockets of information and so many amazing people that do these jobs and fulfill these needs for us. And we just don't know until we know. And so to be able to spread that education, I think would be really beneficial. Mm-hmm. So in wrapping this up, I want to ask you guys a few questions that I've been asking everyone. Um, and so I know that you guys, again, are familiar with Brene Brown. Have either of you read her book, uh, Braving the Wilderness? Yep. Okay. Yep. So her concept, you know, of walking out into the wilderness, you know, feeling really alone, feeling really isolated, but still taking that step in. And then, of course, along the way, finding other people out there with you. But can you Mm -hmm. guys tell me um, a situation, it can either be professional or personal in your life that you've really felt like you just stepped into the wilderness? Um, Brittany, do you want to (laughs) go? Or do you want me to go? You can go first, girl. Okay. Uh, that's a really good question. I I think that I would have to say really just even taking the leap into going back to school mm-hmm. as as an adult with two small children um, to become a social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really hard. It was really tough. And I actually finished school while my husband was deployed to Afghanistan. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, so that was an interesting last couple of semesters for me. Um, And to be honest, even in the program that I was in, and I was in an excellent undergrad program at Kansas State University, Mm -hmm. I cannot say enough good things about their faculty. Um, But we, even within my cohort, I did not truly feel like I'd found my people. Uh Um, I really kind of questioned if this was the right thing because I was feeling very connected to the faculty and feeling very connected to the curriculum and, and all of the tenants, Mm -hmm. but, but not necessarily to my cohort. And I think part of that was really an age difference thing. Um, I think it was a life experience thing. Um, and I, and I don't say that with any judgment towards my cohort. It was just that feeling of aloneness, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to push through this and come across the other side. And I'm so glad that I did because that's when I found my people. Mm -hmm. I love that. That has been my favorite thing, hearing the different stories from guests as far as like braving the wilderness, the other Mm -hmm. side of things, you know, I think that's just so Mm -hmm. motivating and encouraging to other people who are just maybe on the cusp of like stepping out there, you know, to know that things can be better than you can ever imagine. Will there be hard days? Absolutely. But can it be Mm -hmm. awesome? Yes, (laughs) for sure. Absolutely. So thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate that. So Brittany, what about you? Yeah. So I kind of alluded a little bit earlier to my choices in high school really not being mm, the most gentle or the most kind uh-huh. type of choices. And so I really kind of lived this lifestyle of not quite sure what my purpose was or who there was that I needed to impress or uh, really what life was. I mean, really, I was just kind of this like floating little tiny canoe in the middle of the ocean. Like, I don't really know. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and not really care if it causes ripples or not, because I don't really know who's close to me or really what I had to offer the world. Mm-hmm. And so the transition from high school to after high school, I had literally no vision for myself at all. I remember thinking a lot of times, like, I don't really know if I'm going to survive past 18. And it wasn't because I, like, had any, like, self-deprecating thoughts or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But just I could not envision myself or my future or what I really cared about. And so in that, I just, I was lost and Mm -hmm. alone and um, just kind of stuck in the wilderness. I don't know. Just by myself, kind of scared of what was around the corner and... I don't really know what point 
things began to click. I have to imagine it didn't all just happen at once. Mm -hmm. But at some point, I had made a decision that I was going to apply to colleges. had no idea what I was going to go for. Um, And a friend brought me to the military Mm -hmm. because her dad wanted her to check it out. And so I was just this bobbing thing in the middle of the ocean. So I just latched on to anything that came by. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll go with you. And so within just a few short months, I had gone with my friend to a recruiter, and I was like, yeah, sure, I can do that, really not knowing what that meant or or what vision that would create for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was also accepted to NDSU. Mm-hmm. And so between the two of those things kind of happening simultaneously and beautifully, it really kind of like paved a path out of the wilderness into society for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so... I feel like the path was laid for me and I just had to walk and not venture off of it at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in the process, remind myself that I did have a choice to either go on this path that was laid down or to stay quietly and alone in the wilderness. And seriously, thankfully, somehow, some way I chose to walk that path yes. and to kind of get myself into a playing field that I enjoyed and that I found passion and belonging in. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely a time of my life where I can very clearly see being in the dark and, and being just isolated and alone and really unworthy mm-hmm. into a place of like where light started to shine and where I actually got to be who I was mm-hmm. um, and start kind of paving my own road yes. for myself. Oh, I love that. Thank so you so beautiful. much. Yes. Thank you so much for both of you, you know, to share and be so vulnerable with that. I know that's a really hard question, but like I said, I just think that can be so helpful for others to know one that you know we have all had really challenging times in our life, but also to be able to hear how somebody is able to work through that and to walk through that. And so I really appreciate you guys sharing that. So the yeah. very last question who would you say are your biggest encouragers and why? Oh, hands down, Brittany is like my number one. Oh. Oh. For sure. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's the person that I go to. And, and, you know, really part of the reason for that, Kelly, is because Brittany is the kind of person that's going to give it to me straight. Uh-huh. She's so encouraging in her honesty and authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I, I cannot say how important that is in an adult friendship to have somebody that's going to call you on your shit. Yep. Um, and, and that's one of the most profound things I have found as an adult in my friendships is I'm going to look for the people that are going to encourage me and support me mm-hmm. even when they disagree with me. And even when they're going to say, come on, are you for real? Yeah. Like let's, let's think about this differently. Come right. on, bud. Right. Um, so, so hands down, Brittany, like, oh. I, I cannot even think of anybody above her. So, because oh. I love you, babe. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, two is my husband. Mm-hmm. He is absolutely um, going to back me up and love me through everything. Even when I've gone to Brittany and she's been like, come on, but you, you got to think about this differently. He's going to be like, nope, I love and support you. Oh, yes. <laughs> he, he puts a lot of faith in me, even when. I feel like maybe he shouldn't and um, I just can't. He drives me insane, y'all, but I can't imagine. I can't imagine not having that that faith. Yes. Um, It's just amazing. And, you know, I just have to say as a work environment, I can't say enough about our work environment. Yes. It is so amazing to work with a group of people who just want to do a good job. Yes. Without it being imposed by, joint commission or we got to do this bureaucratic bullshit and it's just a bunch of people who want to do a really good job for the community and they're so passionate and i that in itself is a major encouragement yes i would really agree i believe that even just think about like, as both of you are talking, your passion shows through, you know, when you talk with Sarah, or you talk with Jeff, I mean, whoever it is, you know, of the bound providers are just so passionate and so supportive. And really, I think put clients first. And that mm-hmm. is not always found in agencies, no. you know, the idea 
of wanting to put clients first, I think is there a lot, but the actual application yeah. of it is not. And so the I, ability. yeah, the ability, absolutely. And so I love that we have that ability and we have that type of environment where we truly can say, you know, work with the client and figure out what is in the best interest of the client and be able to move forward with that. You know, of course I always do my little disclaimer within the guidelines of social work, but <laughs> you know, I think it's great to be able <laughs> to be able to brainstorm, you know, ideas that maybe other agencies may truly not be able to do. And we can do that. And that's, it's yeah. nice to have that flexibility and that freedom. Absolutely. All right. So yeah, I was going to say your turn. You're up. So first, Emily, thank you so much for that. You seriously are like the kindest soul in the whole world. Aww. So I was thinking while Emily was explaining her how I would answer that question, because that is like a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like to give those in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and so my follow-up question that I was thinking in my head is, of what point in life? Because oh, yeah. I truly have had just like pick a time in my life and I could tell you who that is or pick a circumstance and I could tell you who that was. Yeah. Quite honestly, there have been so many people that have probably without even knowing mentored me or guided me or encouraged Mm -hmm. me. I mean, I can think all the way back to elementary school, those pivotal people in life that just showed me what home could look like or what having disagreements with siblings could look like, or mm-hmm. what getting grounded could look like. I mean, <laughs> I can think all the way back, or I remember thinking like, oh, so that's the way a re- uh, marriage or a relationship could work. And so really, like, all the way back, I have been, like, pulling threads of people from them and and instances from them and ways of resolving things from people who probably don't even know. And they probably have helped my path more than they could mm-hmm. ever even imagine. So yeah. that's a really tough question for me. Um, I would say that if we were referring to um, specific situations, so for parenting, I have like a certain set of people that I really highly look to for parenting advice mm-hmm. um, and, and what that really looks like. Um, I have a really close friend. Her name's Anna. Shout out, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She really shows me a new way of parenting Mm -hmm. and what that could look like. I have Emily who teaches me how to give grace to myself for my parenting Mm -hmm. and prepares me with new ideas of how I could possibly tweak things or do things differently and feel good about it Mm -hmm. and reassures me that I'm doing a good job and that I'm not messing my kids up, even the most (laughs) independent, temperamental child that I have. And so, you know, then if we're talking about business, Sarah Salmon has been, like, the most influential person therapy-wise and has really let me do things that I didn't believe in myself I could do and has empowered me to do those. Mm -hmm. You know, and then if we're talking about home stuff, my husband has been, like, the biggest encourager that I could ever imagine. He was, like, all for me going to school when we had a little tiny baby who was policy at home Uh and has just taking care of the house while I've been deployed or um, on trips and just I just feel like I have this miraculous growth of people around me that just step in when I need them Mm -hmm. so bad and somehow recognize that Mm -hmm. and so to pick one or to pick one instance or to say for right now is just so impossible for me because there's just these people who are miraculous that really get me where I'm at and know where I'm at and help me through that at, at totally different times. So I'm honestly excited for everybody I have around me. And also I'm appreciative because I do remember the days when I felt like that group of people was not there and I hadn't created it and yeah. I felt unworthy of it. Oh, thank you. Community. So. Yes. It's that connection piece that we're, we're all seeking. We all need that. And I love your perspective of pulling, you know, little bits and pieces from like each person Mm -hmm. in your life and how really encouraging is that to everyone to know that we could have had an impact on somebody and not ever known ever, not had the smallest idea that we've been able to be impactful in their life. And so I even think in those moments when we're, you know, feeling down about ourselves, just to remind, you know, remind ourselves of that, you know, my small you know, interactions in the world can have huge impact. You know, that just, that Absolutely. reframing 
could be huge. Well, I yep. I really appreciate both of you, you know, willing to come on the podcast and talk about this. And I definitely see some more episodes um, in the future for sure. <laughs> but I'm wondering, do you guys have anywhere that you would want people to contact you? Like if they have questions or if they're you know, interested in just talking more with you about a certain topic? Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if you've disclosed this before uh, on the podcast. I haven't heard it. So um mm-hmm. I mean, I've listened to the podcast. That's not what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Right? I, I was following um, you. I was following you. <laughs> um, like how how to how to how to find us online. Mm-hmm. So you can Google us. You can actually look for Abound Counseling Fargo providers, and a whole list of people will come up, and you can reach us that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love to talk with people. Um, if they're looking for certain information or just want some more information about something mm-hmm. um, on like a particular topic, or if they've got questions about their kiddos or their family that, you know, need some support. I, I love to talk with people. So um, you can find us that way. And- Great. Yeah. I'm really glad that you touched on that because I actually had not. So um, that's fantastic that people will be able to, you know, have some access to you guys that way. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's great. And I think it's great that you're willing to just literally have someone call you up and talk about, you know, whatever topic too, like that is a really unique service to offer. So I definitely appreciate that. Do you guys have any last thoughts before we wrap up here? Thanks for having us. Yes, absolutely. This was fun. Will you guys take care? Thanks, Kelly. Thank you for listening to Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. For all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. A special thank you to our producer, Joe Burkett, and our assistant, Carrie, who both helped to make this podcast possible. See you next week for another episode.